listener production. You, you got queer questions, we got queer answers. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to another episode of Come Out Wherever You Are. It is Friday, and you know what that means. We are serving you a flaming hot plate of queer questions, your favorite weekly segment where we dive deep into a relevant piece of news or culture that's impacting the lives of queer humans everywhere. On today's episode, back by popular demand, we have my best friend Sandy McIntyre in the house. Yes! Woo! Hi, everyone. I'm sorry, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Sandy, welcome back to the pod. You were the first person to ever be on the show twice. Oh, my God. Really? Should we cheer again? Thank you, everyone. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> I'd like to thank my father. Exactly right. And this gorgeous community. Mm, I don't want to wait another second, so why don't we just dive in? Okay? Mm-hmm. Let's go. You got queer questions. We got queer answers. When I say gay Christmas, what is the first thing that comes to mind? <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Yes, that's correct. One point for McIntyre. So, queer people all around the world affectionately refer to Halloween as gay Christmas. We have commandeered the holiday. We have made it our own. Why are queer people so drawn to the holiday, do you think? Well, I think it gives them a chance to express themselves. Mm. A la Madonna, let's go. You know, like they want to be their... F- fiercest, feistiest, sexiest self, but maybe in a comedic way as well. Mm. They want to be silly. They want to just express themselves in any kind of way that allows them to feel something. When you look deep into Halloween, and obviously I'm from America, so Mm -hmm. I have a much more intense relationship with the holiday. It's really all been about transgressing social boundaries. Mm -hmm. There are no rules when the foundation of the holiday is literally dead people. Like... (laughs) We're not dead, and that's the foundation of the holiday. (laughs) So what was once ghoulish, which was once scary, has obviously evolved into like bigger, better, wilder, more creative, more Mm -hmm. impressive. And so it makes sense that queer people would latch onto that, I think, because if you're forced to live a very straight life all the time, you might see Halloween as an opportunity to express your gender or your sexuality in a safer way. Do you know by chance, why we call it Gay Christmas? Like, has that ever come across your radar? No, I actually don't know at all. So if you can, tell me, please, do it right now before I say something silly. (laughs) You're in luck. Let me get my glasses on. The modern phrase Gay Christmas actually stems, interestingly enough, from an earlier queer nickname for the holiday called Bitches Christmas. Really? Sassy. Oh, my God. Pure sass. So according to Mark Stein, who's a professor of history at San Francisco State University. In the 50s and 60s, Philadelphia's LGBTQ plus community celebrated what they referred to as Bitches Christmas by dressing up in drag and partying in the city's gay bars. Hundreds of queer people year after year would follow the drag performers from bar to bar, forming basically the country's first Halloween parade, which now exists in every major city. At the time, and this is important for both of us, Cross-dressing was prohibited in almost every city in the United States at that time, right? That isn't going to relax until after the Stonewall riots, which is in 69. That's Mm -hmm. how I remember it, because 69, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So on Halloween, you -hmm. could wear drag or express yourself in a more flamboyant way if you were a gay man or a more masculine way if you were born a woman and not get arrested. And that was according to Michael Bronsky, a professor of women and gender studies at Harvard University. Go off, Michael. I mean, right? So if you wanted to cross-dress all the time, 
if you knew you were born into the wrong body. If you were just, let's say, a little more confident dressing in clothing from the opposite, quote, gender, anything outside of a stereotype, Halloween became the one day a year where you could safely dress the way you wanted to. Over time, bitches, Christmas relaxes, and we replace it with gay Christmas. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to be here all day. (laughs) (laughs) What is your relationship to Halloween? Obviously, Aussies are a couple decades behind. Yeah, no, it's complicated because even as a child, I always felt like I was doing something naughty in some way. Mm. So... The last time as a child, I remember dressing up for Halloween. I went with my cousins and I was currently doing clowning classes at that time. So I I know. And I was dressed in a full clown outfit and I was knocking, knocking, knocking on the door and everyone would just say, we are not America. We don't celebrate this. Aren't you too old to be doing Halloween? I was like, I'm nine, but yes, I guess so. (laughs) No. Yeah, literally. And I haven't really... well, from that moment, I didn't door knock or trick or treat ever again. Wow. Is there a moment you have in your memory of when you did dress up for the first time? Yes. Uh, I had a house party when I was probably like 24. Mm. And me and my housemates decided to go as the First Wives Club. And this was like the really early on in my kind of discovering the way I want to dress moment. Mm. And so I decided to go as Goddy Horn because she is the Glamazon. Yes. And I had my gorgeous skirt, high heels, kind of Chanel suit moment. And it was a chance for me to kind of step into my femininity without having any backlash, I guess mm. what Michael was saying. And that was very freeing. And just to have everyone saying, go off, Sandy, go yeah. off, look at those legs or whatever. Yeah. It allowed me to feel confident dressing in skirts and heels and so on. So I think that was the pinnacle moment for me to realize, yes, I can do this more often, hopefully. Mm. Obviously, I grew up in the States, so mm. Halloween was a part of my life as soon as I can remember. I have pictures of myself dressed up in Halloween costumes the year that I was born, oh my right? God. Um, but my first memory of Halloween is around the same age, like probably eight or nine. I really wanted to be a toilet. <laughs> Do not judge me. This oh is a safe God. space. It's I, very telling, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know where the idea came from. My parents don't know where the idea came from. I wanted to be a toilet. I asked them if I could be a toilet seat. And in true kind of, in the spirit of Halloween, Mm. which is basically there are no rules, my parents were like, okay, we'll make it for you. So my dad, you know, took boxes and glued them together and literally went out to our version of Bunnings, which is called Home Depot, and bought a toilet seat and bought a toilet seat handle, put it onto the box, and then you could lift up the front and you could put the candy inside (gasps) the toilet bowl. And so that moment for me is actually not so dissimilar to your moment as a 24-year-old, which is I had an idea. My parents supported me in that idea. And then I went out into public and I was rewarded for it. Mm. People were like, how unique, how cool. You've won the Halloween costume this year. You win. And I just remember this feeling of kind of euphoria. And it wasn't even just about getting to do whatever you wanted to do. It was about the support of my parents. Uh And that impacted all the years that followed. Because instead of going, I'm just going to be whatever's at Walmart, (laughs) you know, I'd get creative. I'd have fun. I think queer people feel safe in creative spaces. They always have. It has been a place for us to rush off to, whether that be performing or dance or singing. And I feel like Halloween is not so dissimilar to like showing up to play rehearsal. True. Dressing up, putting another costume on, uh, 
getting an opportunity to experiment with a part of who you are in a really, really safe way, right? If you're in dance class and they say, we want you to wear a matador costume, mm-hmm. you don't go, I'm not a matador. You put the costume on, you play, you have some fun. And when I moved to New York City, the first time I ever heard Gay Christmas was from Bob the Drag Queen mm-hmm. at Industry Bar. And she was saying, you know, this is our holiday. This is the safe space for our community to explore gender and sexuality without getting punched in the face. And I remember thinking, oh, this is so much bigger than what I thought it was. I thought it was just little Sean who's creative. But actually, all around the world or all around America, there were little queer people dipping the toe, right? They were like Mm -hmm. trying heels on for the first time, trying makeup on for the first time. Do you think you would have benefited as a non-binary person, like mm-hmm. what you know now, if you could have expressed yourself like that as a child? Well, I think I did express myself like that as a child. Okay. So at home, I was very much allowed to play dress-ups and mm. put on dresses and do all that kind of stuff. I think it's more society's expectations on you. Mm-hmm. So outside of the home, it was not a thing. And perhaps, yes, Halloween helped me in some way, but I think also finding your identity gives you the confidence to do it three, six, five days of the year instead of that one, you know? Mm. So, yes, it helps slightly, but I think it's finding comfort within yourself first that is the true kind of um, freedom. Yeah. Well, I guess that natural next question then is, would you feel safer expressing yourself today on Halloween than you would on a normal given day? For those of you who don't like can't see Sandy, we'll put pictures up on Instagram stories. <laughs> Loves to express themselves any way that you want. Every day is a different day, right? You're mm. like, you have all the paint colors at your disposal. Yeah. Sometimes that means an address and sometimes it doesn't. So if you were to want to wear a dress one day, is Halloween a safer day for you to do that here in Australia? I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Do it. Because I don't think it's ever really safe mm. for a queer to step out of their house in a dress if they're a map assigned male at birth. And that is the harsh reality of my existence. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's Halloween, uh, my birthday, whatever day, Mardi Gras, mm. there is still that possible chance that I will get either bashed, heckled, uh, yelled at in any way, shape or form. Mm. And I think that's just the, the way I live my life. I can't prevent myself from not expressing myself, whatever, whatever holiday it is, or whether it's just me, yeah. because that sucks. Mm. So I, no, I don't think um, Halloween has changed that for me in any way. That's such a bummer. I'm hopeful as a parent, you know, raising kids in this country, that was one of the things that was on mm. my cons list, literally, when I was deciding to move here was Halloween is so important to me. It's such a big part of the culture and everyone in America is aware of it. And almost everyone participates, like every family whether you have children or not, is going to have that bowl of candy or lollies ready for the kids to come trick-or-treating. And if you have children, it's one of the highlights of the year. It's like getting to experience Santa Claus through the lens of your child all over again, that excitement. And so when I think about my children coming to me and wanting to try things on, Mm. I know it's a really fun, safe way. And as a parent, you can kind of take a step back and observe it doesn't like for example this did not happen but let's play this game cooper comes to me and says dad i want to be glinda i'm not going to look at that moment and go homosexual like (laughs) i'm not going to do that he's five years old halloween is about play and Mm self-expression we live in a society that squashes that after childhood Mm -hmm. maybe even during childhood right as soon as bullying comes in and our understanding of what it means to be masculine or feminine 
But in that moment, I have an opportunity as a parent to take a step back and observe. Mm. What is it about Glinda? How can I bring that into the life, that day-to-day life outside of Halloween? Do I need a dress-up box with a bunch of dresses? Do I need to watch that TV show more? Uh, Is it about the jewels? Is it about the color? Like a great parent would use that opportunity and figure out ways that you can bring that excitement and that play and that exploration Mm -hmm. into every day of the year. And so I think for me, it's a pity. I was literally on the street two days ago coming home with some costumes for Stella and Cooper. And they were holding a bunch of them and the neighbor was like kind of being, she was being sweet, but also with like a a tongue-in-cheek eye roll, which is like, do people even do that? Like, you know, is that, are people doing it around here? Is that like a thing that people do? And I was like, well, we're going to do it. And last year, a bunch of parents did it. And I really don't care if not everyone feels comfortable with it. But part of me is just hopeful it's growing and growing with popularity. Absolutely. And I'm here to say for young children, if you have children, it doesn't matter if it's quote American. It is an opportunity for you as a parent to allow your children to express and explore in a world that does not allow that. Correct. <laughs> okay. No, you changed my mind a lot in with that answer or with that statement. Because Halloween can be like that for a lot of a lot of kids. If that kid plays soccer or football and they're quite masculine presenting. This could be potentially a way for them to discover a new part of themselves that they haven't allowed themselves to experience yet. Yeah. So, yeah, Halloween can be like that for everyone. It hasn't been for me. Mm. But let's do it for the younger generation. Let's create these traditions where if you do pick Linda, what is it about Glinda, Cooper, that you want to dress like her? Is it her kindness? Is it she's pretty? Is it Mm. she's sparkly? And to find those answers from your children can give you an insight into their potential future or their potential identity. Like, go off. Yes, Sean. Okay, I'm sold. Was there a time where anything horrible happened to you? I'm sorry to say that, but like, mm. was there any bad experiences that you've had? I don't have to pretend that I did not have internalized homophobia growing up, right? Mm-hmm. It was like so extreme and so intense that I avoided dressing up the way that I wanted to when I was younger. Mm. Even though I had parents who like allowed me to be creative, that creativity was in a box of acceptance, right? So I would have loved to have been Pocahontas was one of the characters I wanted to be. I felt comfortable asking my mom for that costume and she allowed me to dress up as Pocahontas in the house, but I didn't choose to do it on Halloween. So when I was younger, I mean, I, I was Hugh Hefner. I was a football player. I was a Power Ranger. I like kind of focused in on what the society would deem masculine. Mm-hmm. But one year in college, like when I finally got to university, I was out of the closet, surrounded by more queer people than I'd ever met before. And the first year I wanted to do like a workout instructor. I had never worn booty shorts. I had never worn a cutoff shirt before. What is that called? Like a crop top. A crop top, we love. And I was in great shape and I thought, this is the place where I can really experiment. I'll put like glitter on my eyes. I'll gel my hair down so it kind of looks like a real fun 90s workout instructor. And I felt amazing. And I have pictures still on Facebook. I look back and I think, oh, I was so happy being able to kind of like show my body the way I always wanted to. Mm. And I was walking to the first party. So it's early in the night. I'm completely sober. And by early in the night, through the lens of a college student, I mean 11 p.m. <laughs> and, and a guy walks right up to me and goes, faggot, grabs me by the backpack because I had a backpack on with alcohol in it. And he threw me in the <gasps> middle of the road. So that experience is probably one one hundredth mm. of what other people had to experience. I was walking to that party with my roommate, Chris, who was dressed as a bearded woman. Mm. So I had a full red gown on and a beard, like his natural beard that he had expanded and his hair looked wild. And 
he was really more afraid than I was. He thought yeah. if that's happening to him and the only thing he's doing is showing a little bit more skin, what's going to happen to me? Yeah, for sure. And just think about all the queer kids all around the world who did finally feel confident kind of getting out there. So yeah, your, your answer was the right answer. You're actually never truly safe. No. But your only option in life is to surround yourself by people that you trust and, and try to express yourself the best you can because a life in the closet of not trying to be your authentic self is really not a life worth living. No, and can I just ask a follow-up question as well? Mm. So after that happened, what was your reaction and what would you have liked to happen? I would have liked my friends to maybe, or have other strangers like stand up for me mm -hmm. a little bit more. When I look back at my childhood, I always see the people who said nothing. Yeah, Almost more than I see the bully. Because to be honest, I feel bad for the bully as an adult. I know they were hurting. I know they were struggling. I've slept with one of them, so I know they were closeted. Like, mm. I th see the people around who heard him say faggot. I see his other friends who didn't jump in and go, whoa, 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 bro, chill out. Yeah. I see the girls who were walking past who, like, grabbed their mouth and then ran away. And I think I would have liked other people to come to my rescue. Mm -hmm. My friends, I understand. I was with other queer people and they were afraid. And so picking me up and helping me, that's what happened afterwards. They picked me up. We dusted all the dirt off. Um, and then we just literally like booked it to the party, found our safe haven with the theater community. And then I ended up having a really good night. But yeah, I guess looking back on it, whenever you see something, that saying, see something, say something, it's even more important when that person is in the minority. Yeah. 100%. If the person is a person of color, if the person is in a is disabled, whether that is uh, you know something you can see and notice or within them that we can't see and notice or they are a member of our queer community, that isolated incident is probably one of many that they'll have to experience in their lifetime. And mm -hmm. I promise you, as they get older and they come to terms with that experience, they are going to look back at all the other people around and wonder, why not you? Thank you. So question, follow up. You don't have a lot of experience dressing up on Halloween, but you obviously have a lot of experience dressing up in clothes that the rest of the world might deem bold, feminine, uh, different than the stereotypes would deem appropriate. Mm -hmm. mm, so there are a lot of people listening who would love to explore, would love to experiment, step outside of the stereotypes thrust yeah. upon them by society. If they're a little bit nervous, what advice would you give someone? Well, I think it's so warranted to be nervous. If you're doing anything new, there's always going to have nerves that come with it. So I feel the best advice I would have for, say, a cisgendered male wearing a dress for the first time, that you are surrounded with people that are going to support you, that you might even have a safe word that mm. you need to say to your partner or friend, look, I'm really uncomfortable right now. What can we do? And that solution may be you have a second outfit in your bag ready to go. But my real, like my advice uh, would be to just embrace it enjoy that time. This is going to be six hours of your life, maybe, that you get to try something new and lean into that and try and not take it, um, take notice of people staring or people laughing because unfortunately that is the reality of it. Mm. But don't let them hinder your experience because it's beautiful and you might learn something new about yourself. So I think anything that we do in life, yes, it's nerve-wracking, but know that at the end of the day, you are in control of everything that you do. Mm. So try and focus on the way that you're feeling and the beauty that is what you are and enjoy it. So speaking of enjoying it, mm -hmm. what if you dress up for the first time? Yeah. 
And I don't know if you can relate to this in any way whatsoever, but what if you dress up for the first time and you like it a lot? You yeah, see yourself okay. in the mirror and for the first time you go, wait a second, mm. I feel sexy, I feel alive. What do you do with that information? I mean, there's a lot you can do with that information. <laughs> and so, wow. I think if you are in, a, in an environment that you feel safe in, go online shopping, go to your local thrift store, find skirts or dresses and try them out at home. Style them, take photos, enjoy that moment. And then the next step would be to go to a, a party or a gathering or the park, you know, and just enjoy that breeze within, like yeah. underneath that dress. Um, but alternatively as well, if you're a, a cisgendered man or male identifying, then there's an easy step, a stepping stone. And that is to wear a kilt perhaps. You know, so everyone else in the world might just think, oh, they're Scottish or mm. they're doing something that they enjoy because it's culturally what, uh, who they are. Uh, so I think that's a nice way to step into it is to do something that is societal, like acceptable by society, which is so gross. Forgive me for saying that. But um, I think that is the best stepping stone. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, let's play a little game. Oh my God, I'm excited. Two besties are here. We don't mm -hmm. want to make this so serious. <laughs> okay, there's a bunch of Aussies at home that are listening to this right now. Mm -hmm. Halloween is two days away for them, right? It's yes. Friday. They need some ideas. Let's rapid fire come up with some concepts. Oh my God, okay, go. I'm feeling like you go to a thrift store first. Uh -huh. That's what you and I always do. Mm -hmm. The things that you are probably going to be able to find that will be interesting, my first gut reaction is Harry Styles. The okay. way that he's been dressing on tour, bold patterns mismatchy clashing pants with a shirt top mm -hmm. and also patterns that are very reflective of items you can find in thrift stores, right? Yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s style. So maybe like do a kind of fun hairy thing. That's my first idea. Your turn. Well, I was going to do the same thing in terms of pop stars. Pop stars are the easiest person to draw inspiration from. Mm. So whether it's as cliche as Madonna with the pointy bustier yes. moment, uh, there's Madonna, there is going to be Billie Eilish yes. if you want to be more comfy and like baggy and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. There's also the Met Gala that you can draw inspiration from. Go to your favorite celebrities. What did they wear at the Met Gala? Yes. And then try and emulate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also you can play around with like different subcultures throughout history. Mm -hmm. One of the easiest things that almost everyone can do beautifully is a gorgeous grunge or goth look. Yes. Lean heavily into the 90s supermodel era. You probably already have like an eyeliner pencil or mm -hmm. mascara. You probably already have some type of black makeup in your kit. You can actually do a high fashion, gorgeous yes. look. And your outfit itself is just every piece of gorgeous black items that you have in your closet. And you're going to be able to make a fashion statement and probably spend zero dollars. Well, that's it. And I think you hit something on the head there because... I always go for the elevated fashion yes. kind of moment. Yep. You don't necessarily have to dress up as anyone, mm. but create that character. Mm. I am a divorcee who's just got $20 million in my bank account and I'm going to go as her. Yes. What does she look like? Or I am a, a private school student with that cute little skirt and whatever. I don't know, but you know, just have... Pick a, a person that you want to draw inspiration from and that's a really fun way to do it as well. Totally. And the last idea I have is... Everyone has items in their closet they never wear. Mm -hmm. It's the items in your closet you bought for a very specific event, and it just sits there. It's maybe too glamorous, too expensive. Oh, yeah. One year I went to a party where every girl from the sorority 
were wearing their mother's wedding dresses, like these, mm-hmm. or like thrifted wedding dresses. Yeah. And I thought, this is actually a really great Halloween costume. That dress is never going to be worn again. It's probably once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime mm-hmm. dress. But a lot of uh, young girls will have a school formal dress that they never wear again, or they'll have the fanciest dress. Go into a thrift store and buy the nicest dress you can find, which is probably $20, and go as like a Glamazon. Yes. Get a pink one and go as Barbie. Halloween is actually just a play. So if there's an outfit you've always wanted to wear or you have in your wardrobe and you're like, oh, it's too intense for the average party, this is your day, queen. Yeah. And if someone says anything anything to you, just say, this is conceptual and you don't get it. (laughs) Period. Final question. What will you be wearing for Halloween if you already have an outfit plan? And if you don't have an outfit plan, Mm -hmm. what would you want to wear? Okay, so Mm -hmm. I have like a two-costume idea. Okay. So, obviously, my name is Sandy. So, I want to go as nice Sandy from Grease. Yeah. And at the end of the night, turn into that latex-wearing, naughty Sandy. And that's my idea. So, I need to find a party. Someone invite me, please, because yes. it needs to be executed. And then you run up to the DJ, change the song at the final moment, come and go. Tell me about it. Stop. I hear you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. This year, I'm going as an alien. My whole family, the four of us are doing, like, monster themes. So, they're still at the age where we can pick a theme and... Stella's a vampire. Cooper is a werewolf. Josh is... um, Frankenstein. Thank you. And I'm an alien. (laughs) Stay tuned. Pop onto our Instagram to see it. Well, thank you for coming on and chatting about gay Christmas with me, Sandy. Oh my God. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. That's our show. If you have a queer question that you would like answered, slide into my DMs on Instagram. Not my DMs. (laughs) Our DMs at comeoutwherever you are. Or email us at comeouttous at gmail.com. That's comeouttous at gmail.com. Come Out Wherever You Are is presented by me, Sean Zepps. Our lovely producer is... Lindsay Grain. Our executive producer is... Lemma Zacharia. And we can't forget our audio producer, Chris Marsh. Bye. Bye.